Hello everybody, it is Michael and I'm back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I really appreciate your guys' support on the show. The YouTube channel has been doing great. The last video did phenomenal. I just started my clips channel, which will be linked in the description. Make sure to subscribe to that. Uh, the podcast has been doing really well on audio platforms. Make sure to download. I got it on Spotify. If if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave it a five star. It's on a bunch of platforms. So really appreciate your support. I got a ton of stuff to talk about today. We got some games to talk about. We got some future series to talk about. And also some uh, scouting reports on six upcoming pros- uh, prospects in the draft. So I hope you enjoy Uh, Make sure to like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to that Clips channel. Make sure to download them on audio platforms. It would really mean a lot to me. And yeah, let's get right into this. First of all, the first game I would like to talk about is the insane Mavericks vs. Clippers game uh, 4. This was uh, one of the most fun games to watch in the entire bubble. Probably my favorite in the whole playoffs so far. Just a phenomenal game. A back-and-forth game. Great performance in both teams. Kawhi Leonard was fantastic this game. Uh, Lou Williams was huge off the bench, scoring a big 36. Reggie Jackson was really good, hitting four with seven threes. Uh, It was just a really, really, really fun game. Paul George had a really rough game, though. 3 of 14. He started off pretty well, and then he was just struggling to hit anything, missing uh, pretty open layups, even if they had a... A bit of a contest there. Couldn't hit his threes. Uh, I did like to see that he was trying to do other things to still stay involved in the game. But in 45 minutes, only 9 points on 3 of 14. It was really rough to watch him. It seemed like he was in his own head a lot. Uh, We'll obviously talk about the game that happened most recently where he was a lot better. But the first, uh, the last three games before that, he just seemed like he was really in his own head. Uh, just not being the Paul George we know, not being the Paul George who is uh, such a great scorer and just such a natural scorer. He just seemed like he couldn't hit anything, and he was getting really down, getting really far in his own head. And then on the Maverick side, they were missing Porzingis this game. Uh, They missed Porzingis the next game too, so uh, I'd love to hear an update on that knee because if it's just knee soreness, that'd be kind of weird for him to be sending out two playoff games in a row. So I expect it to probably be something more. And obviously they're being uh, precautious because they paid him that max contract. Obviously uh, a 7-3 player, health is always something you want to worry about because uh, it's just something that will always plague taller players like that, especially players that are that mobile like Porzingis. So you obviously want to be careful with it because you want him to be a franchise building block. So I'd love to hear an update on that because it is definitely scary. Uh, if that's more than just the sore knee we've heard so far. But on the Mavericks side, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a great game. Trey Burke has been phenomenal for the Mavericks, has really stepped up big for them, and it's been nice to see. He was cut by the 76ers and looked like he was on his way out of the league, but he's really got a revitalization as a part of the Mavericks. It'll be interesting to see if they re-sign him going into next year, but... I really like what I've seen from Trey Burke this entire bubble, this entire playoffs. He's looked super motivated, hitting uh, 10 of his 14 shots, scored an incredibly efficient 25, four or five threes, made some big uh, plays like playing overtime where Luka airballed the step back three, and then he got the offensive rebound, hit the mid-range shot. That was a big play. Uh, just stepped up huge for them. Maxi Kleber has really struggled uh, this entire playoff run. The threes have really not been hidden. 0-5 that game. 
uh, two only two of eight from the field. So I really need to see him uh, hitting his threes because he's been hitting his threes at a very good rate all year, and that's been really big for this Mavericks team to always have a stretch big. But they're kind of starting to dare him to shoot a little more. So he's got to start hitting those for sure. And then uh, off the bench, Seth Curry has been great this entire season. And then the bubble, he's been very good. Uh, a very efficient 15 points. And I just love Seth Curry for this Mavericks team. He fits in so well with Luka. Such a perfect player to put next to Luka. And, yeah, he's been great for them. Boban had a good game for them. But, obviously, the main attraction of the game was Luka Doncic. 43 points, 17 rebounds, and 13 assists on a hurt ankle. It was just an absolutely phenomenal performance. Uh, he really willed them back into that game. It's, and the role players stepped up big when they were down 21 in the second quarter. Uh, I really loved just the heart I saw from them that game. Because it w it could have been very easy for them to get down and kind of just let that game slip away. But they really fought uh, and they uh, came back. They made it a close game. This, the game is a game of runs, especially with such an elite offense like the Mavericks. They can go on a run and that 20-point deficit can be gone at any time. They got the momentum. But then uh, Kawhi started showing up late. He was playing phenomenal and uh, closing it out. He did miss the potential game-winning shot that had them send it to overtime but other than that he was phenomenal i would have loved to see him uh, take a better shot definitely to close the game it just seemed like he took a while to make his move and then kind of tried to do like the hero ball shot but if he uh got closer to that mid-range area it could have been a lot better of a chance because he's so automatic from the mid-range area but other than that he was phenomenal this game and then in overtime it was a back and forth battle like lou williams gets the end one uh Luca makes the pass uh, to the corner with one of his teammates, hits the three. Uh, Luca misses a step back three. Trey Burke gets the rebound, hits the mid-range shot. Kawhi hits a mid-range shot. It was really just a back-and-forth, back-and-forth battle. But obviously the shot that was felt like heard around the world was uh, to close the game. Luca gets the ball. Uh, they get the switch on him with Reggie Jackson, which is obviously the switch they want. A lot smaller of a defender. He hits that insane step back three. As a huge Luka fan, wearing my Luka jersey, I was going absolutely insane. It was just such an exciting moment to see such a young player have a dominant performance and then on a weak ankle and then cap it off with that huge step back three. That was so exciting to see. And it really uh, showed one of the big issues that I've had with this Clippers team the entire uh, playoff so far is that they are very willing to switch. Even a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who, especially when he's focused, is like the best defender in the entire league, uh, will switch so easily against this team. And I guess that's their game plan uh, just to keep switching, especially when they're running more of small ball, which they've been running a lot. But for me, I would just like to see them uh, stay more on their defender because uh, it really leads to a ton of mismatches, and that's how Luka is, uh, thrives, because Luka is so big and so strong that obviously, and then he's, uh, the size differential just between a guy like uh, him and Reggie Jackson, uh, that contest really doesn't mean anything when Reggie Jackson is smaller, and then when he's getting switched on to uh, other defenders, he's going to be able to bully them inside, because he is very, very strong. Uh, that's something that goes super under the radar about his game is his strength. Very, very strong player. And it was just really exciting to see him hit, uh, 
him hit such a big shot, play phenomenal throughout the game. But I'd love to see the Clippers uh, really just uh, fight over that screen more. It's easier said than done, obviously, and that's the game plan they obviously want. Doc Rivers is uh, was fine with that, clearly. But I'd like to see guys like uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard especially uh, not switch so easily because Luka was destroying them. And even when they were switching, Luka just pushes people out of the way, uh, especially when driving to the basket. Phenomenal driving to the basket. Uh, so crafty. His footwork is absolutely incredible. His body control so smooth. Like he had that uh, one euro step around Paul George. Such a clean move. And then he just bumps off people and is able to get shots. He had that like up and under where he got the and one on Avika Zubak. It was just a really impressive performance from Luca. And it's like we obviously know about Luca. Luca is one of the best players in the entire league. Uh, but it just really capped off such a phenomenal performance it was really exciting to watch and it was really exciting to see uh the role players step up like they have all year uh, oh we just got some breaking news uh from shams the pacers have fired their coach nate mcmillan well i guess I'll, i guess i'll talk about that because it literally just happened a minute ago wow so obviously the pacers were uh, swept by the heat it was and even though it was a sweep, it was a lot closer than uh, the games like indicated. They just really couldn't close it. I think, well, the last game, the Pacers, I meant the Heat kind of had the lead throughout. But the other games, the Pacers were close in every game and they couldn't keep up. Which didn't surprise me because this Heat team is great. But uh, Pacers fans have had their... Uh, they haven't liked Nate McMillan for a while. Which kind of surprised me because I think Nate McMillan is a pretty solid coach. And it's pretty interesting to see him get fired, but I kind of, well, I didn't see this coming, especially they gave him a one-year extension. So this is really surprising to see Nate McMillan get fired. And I'll be interested to see what they do, because obviously they're not going to go in a direction of tanking or anything. This team wants to win. They have a good team, uh, but they have a lot of decisions to make. Uh, the, Sabonis first, the Sabonis and Miles Turner front court is always something that's a little bit like, which one should you keep? Uh, should you keep the more defensive guy in Miles Turner? Should you keep Sabonis, the more offensive guy? Or th do you think they can coexist? They got the Victor Oladipo uh, thing where he's going to be up for a contract soon, and it's really confusing because we don't know if they're going to give them an extension because obviously he has the injury history and we really don't know if he's going to be the same. He's kind of just looked all right throughout the playoffs. Uh, well during the playoffs and I don't really know what's happening there. They have the TJ Warren thing. TJ Warren was great for them and they have uh, like five above average starters, a miles Turner above average center. Uh, DeMontis Spohn has had an all-star season. Victor Aldipo has the potential to be an all-star. Malcolm Brogdon, uh, especially at the start of the season, was looking like an all-star. And then TJ Warren, very solid 18-20 to 20 point scorer. So I don't really know where they go from here. I definitely expect them to probably get a more established coach, someone who's been around for a while. Uh, maybe they uh, bring up an assistant on their staff. Maybe they steal an assistant from another staff. But I don't really know uh, what the direction is there necessarily. The, it'll be interesting to see how Sabonis is doing after the foot injury because that, that same injury has really derailed some players' careers. So hopefully he's getting the proper treatment and he'll be doing well. And, yeah, that is a very interesting move. 
Uh, I'm kind of surprised by it, especially after they gave him the one-year extension. It's kind of weird that they would fire him after that, but they obviously did get swept by the Heat, even though they didn't have their all-star and they were in every game. So very, very surprising move. Uh, I'll be incredibly interested to see uh, what happens from here on going in there, uh, going in with their coaching. And there's a lot of interest in coaching jobs out there. You got the Nets, because I don't expect them to retain Jock Vaughn. Uh, you got the Bulls, very interesting, because this team has a lot of talent. And a big reason why I don't think that talent has been working out well is because of their coach, Jim Boylan. Uh, you got the Pelicans, which is obviously a very, very intriguing uh, job for a ton of people because they got so much talent. Uh, they got Zion, Lonzo, uh, Brandon Ingram. They got a ton of young talent. Uh, and they got some old veterans who can help that team win right now. So a lot of very interesting things have been happening. We got some very interesting coaching jobs out there. This will be a very uh, interesting offseason. Obviously, it's the it's a bit of an unorthodox offseason with everything going on with us not knowing about the cap. There's so many interesting things that ha can happen. And uh, moving on, I actually want to talk uh, about the Nets' future and what's going to happen in the near future for them because they have been officially swept by the Raptors. Uh, not much of a surprise there at all. The Raptors are a great team. But this is really, really interesting thinking about the Nets' future. Uh, there's been rumors that they're very, very interested in Greg Popovich. And while obviously that's like exciting on paper, and it would be super cool to see Greg Popovich with Kevin Durant and Kyrie. I do not expect that to happen at all. I don't think any team could prime away from San Antonio. It just makes sense for this point in his career for him to either uh, retire as the coach of the San Antonio Spurs or coach maybe a year or two more and then retire. So I don't expect that to happen. But I do expect them to uh, hire a new coach. And that is going to be very interesting to see who they hire. They have guys like uh, Tyron Lue out there who has a relationship with Kyrie, obviously. I don't know how that relationship is. And then you got uh, some assistants that are looking to move up into the head coaching world. But I do expect them to hire more of an established guy, uh, a guy who's been around for a while. And I don't really know exactly who that guy is. They could hire Jason Kidd. I wouldn't really like that. I would kind of like them to hire more of a player's coach, especially uh, with Kyrie and Kevin Durant just because you never really know necessarily what's going to happen with them so I'd like to see them hire more of a players coach and I think uh, it probably makes sense for them to hire Ty Lue uh, just depending on though depending on his relationship with Kyrie because I don't really know how that is uh, especially because Kyrie wanted to leave uh, Cleveland so they got a very interesting uh, future ahead of him ahead of them for sure uh, with the uncertainty of how Kevin Durant's going to come back from his injury, with the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving's health as he's been injured quite a lot recently, uh, with what are they going to do with guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and guys like Karis LeVert? Uh, are they going to keep Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert just for like insurance, just in case those guys aren't what we expect them to be? Are they going to try and trade for a third star? Are they going to try and trade those two guys for a third star? Uh, are they going to just try and trade Karis LeVert for some like role players, for some 3 and D players? Uh, they obviously have Joe Harris as a free agent. That'll be a big uh, uh, re-signing for them that they need to do because he's such a good shooter and solid enough defensively. 
So they got a lot of interesting things uh, to think about as we go into this offseason. Because uh, they want to compete for a championship next year. By all means, they are trying to compete for a championship uh, while they have Kyrie and Kevin Durant under contract. And those players are both aging, especially Kevin Durant, uh, coming off a big Achilles injury. So it's a very, very uh, interesting just to think about what will go on in the future of the Brooklyn Nets. And it's incredibly, incredibly interesting. I'll be really excited to see what happens. I, uh, For me, I would trade uh, Karis LeVert, try and get some more depth, get some more 3 and D players. Uh, I would keep Spencer Dinwiddie just because you never know with Kyrie's uh, health. It's always something that's up in the air. So I'd like to keep a reliable point guard like Spencer Dinwiddie on the roster. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're probably going to try and trade for the third star, but I would much rather have them uh, go the kind of Lakers route that they were in the same predicament last year where it's like, do we get a third star and kind of salvage the depth? Or do we get role players and keep the depth? So I'd do the second route where just keep some role players, have some nice depth, especially with the uh, with you not knowing how Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to come back. You're going to need some depth for sure. I just think always having uh, – you can never have too many 3 and D players on your roster. And plenty of teams are going to want a guy – uh, like Karis LeVert, because Karis LeVert is incredibly talented. I just don't think he fits very well with his team because he's uh, not a very good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He's more of a guy who you want the ball in his hands and you want him to be more of a creator, and I just think he doesn't fit with what this team is going with in the future. Uh, you obviously have the uh, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan thing where uh, Jared Allen is definitely the better player, but DeAndre Jordan is uh, friends, very good friends with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and they've been uh, kind of mad in the past when he hasn't been playing. So it's a very, very interesting offseason for them. they got a lot of moves to make because they're trying to win this championship, and yeah, it's just going to be incredibly interesting to see what happens. And I really don't know what to expect because they, they can go in so many different routes, uh, especially what they think because obviously they have the inside on Kevin Durant and we don't know how healthy Kevin Durant is but they do and it'll be interesting I think we'll learn a lot about Kevin Durant's health depending on what they do and yeah it's very interesting offseason they got a lot of things that they could do they got a lot of players that could be moved they have Joe Harris that they need to resign they have this a bit of the center conflict and yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in this offseason. It'll be a very fun one for them. And it'll be a crucial one. They're going to have to make some tough decisions probably. And uh, that could be a crucial mistake for them. Or it could be what uh, makes them a championship team. And we'll just have to see. Uh, moving on, I'm going to talk about the other team in the Eastern Conference that got swept. We are going to talk about the 76ers and their future. Uh, and, uh, they fired coach Brett Brown and... Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what they go with with the coach there. Because I think Brett Brown, even though he's definitely not a good coach, not a good coach by any means, I think he'd be way better as an assistant. I think he was definitely uh, definitely a scapegoat for this team. Uh, a lot of their problems got blamed on Brett Brown, when I think it way should more should way more be on their front office and just all the mistakes they made. Uh, Tobias Harris got paid 
one of the biggest contracts in the entire league to be like the 35th best player in the league. Tobias Harris is just a solid player, a solid like 18 to 20 point scorer. You don't pay that player a max contract. He's on like around the same level as like Karis LeVert and Karis LeVert is on like a $17 million a year contract. You don't pay Tobias Harris a max contract. Al Horford is a center in, especially in the modern NBA, if this was early 2000s, you could definitely get away with Al Horford being at pow, uh, power forward. But in the modern NBA, where uh, the direction that we're going in is all about versatility, athleticism, uh, shooting, Al Horford is a center in the modern NBA. The spacing, whenever those two play, whenever Joel Embiid and Al Horford play, is absolutely terrible because they're both like trying to post up and you don't want Al Horford just sitting at the three-point line because that ruins all his value. His value is as a pick-and-pop player, uh, but usually in the mid-range. He'll occasionally step out to three. You want him to post up. You want him to be at the elbow because he's a very uh, intelligent player, very good passer at the elbow. And then you want him on defense, guarding centers, because he'll do a great job at that. And it just seems... Well, it doesn't seem like they've just made so many mistakes. Uh, they traded Mikhail Bridges. They got Zaire Smith in return. Zaire, I haven't seen Zaire Smith in forever. He doesn't play. Mikhail Bridges would have been so perfect. And they traded Dario Saric. Would have been a perfect player next to Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. They let go of J.J. Redick. They let go of Robert Covington. Robert Covington is literally playing that role for the Rockets, and he's playing it so perfectly. It They just made so many mistakes and blew a great opportunity. And they have a lot of decisions to make as we're going into the future. Uh, Elton Brand has said they're not looking to trade Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, and I don't think they will. But I think they're going to have to make a decision between one of those two in the uh, in the future, probably after next season, as long as things don't work out, which I don't expect them to. Not because these two necessarily can't work together. They're a bad fit under these circumstances, for sure. But they'd be a decent fit under the circumstances if they had guys like J.J. Redick, if they had guys like Mikhail Bridges, if they had guys like Robert Covington. They wouldn't be the perfect uh, fit under any circumstances, but they'd be way better and they could work out so much better if there was more spacing, if they could run the pick and roll more, uh, if they could just have shooters on the wing, they could have 3 and D players. And they let go of all those players that would fit perfectly. Because Elton Brand, who is a terrible GM, values name value and just pure raw talent way more than fit. And sometimes uh, fit can, uh, just talent can overvalue fit. But when this team fits so terribly, uh, just having players who uh, on the surface are definitely not nearly as talented but would fit better, would be so much better for this team. And they just messed up a lot. They made a huge mistake. They let go of so many players that would have been perfect next to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And it just really limits their effectiveness. And it limits their talent a ton when Ben Simmons does not have shooters around him. Because that just makes it so awkward, especially when Embiid is posting up. It's like, what is Ben Simmons doing on the court when Joel Embiid is posting up? And 
with a new coach, maybe they'll have him do more things like uh, Draymond Green where he's like setting off ball screens and stuff. I'd definitely love to see Ben Simmons used more as a screener because that could create a ton of mismatches with him being so big and him having so much size. And I think he could definitely be more useful under a new coach. But still, it especially when uh, Al Horford is on the court, when Joel Embiid is posting up, which is Joel Embiid's best talent. Joel Embiid is a generational talent, especially when we're talking about post-scoring. But when Ben Simmons, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid are on the court, Al Horford is kind of standing in the mid-range area, or he's standing at the three where he's not much of a threat. Uh, ben Simmons is just kind of standing at the dunker spot. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Uh, Tobias Harris is a player who can shoot, but thrives more in the mid-range. Uh, They have a lot of players on their team that can shoot, but the biggest issue with this team is they don't have many shooters. They have Shake Milton, who is a shooter. They have Furkan Korkmaz, shooter. Alec Burks, even, shooter. But those players aren't huge rotation players. They don't play a ton of minutes. They need more players that are good starters for them playing uh, that are shooters, that are that their only job is to shoot and defend. They had guys like J.J. Redick. Only job is to shoot. Uh, Robert Covington. Robert Covington. I've never seen Robert Covington create a shot. But you know what he does great? He plays phenomenal defense. And he shoots the ball very well. And they let go of so many of those players. To get players who like Tobias Harris. Who is a mid-range scorer. And can shoot the three. Uh, a guy like Al Horford. Who is m- more of a guy who thrives at the elbow. Uh, but can shoot the three, kind of. And yeah, this team is uh, has so many bad contracts. The cap space is absolutely terrible with them. They have four basically max contract players with only like with only two of them being worth that contract. And it's just terrible to see. I don't expect them to trade Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid this year. I expect them, one of them to be gone next year. They're going to try and move Al Horford, but I don't know anybody who's taken on that contract. I think only two years are fully guaranteed, but even those two years, it's like, man, you do not want to take on that contract because he's already like 35, 36 and is getting paid so much money. I know the last year has some like weird guarantees, uh, so I don't think he'll be getting paid that much in the last year when he's 38 years old, which is just terrible that they even signed him that long, and especially with such a bad fit. So they got a ton of decisions to make. I definitely expect them to try and make some big moves. I don't know how many of those big moves will actually go through. And, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with the coach for them. We'll see what happens with the roster construction and what changes they make. And yeah, the 76ers' future is definitely up in the air. They got a weird future. Uh, Moving on, we're going to talk about Utah versus Denver. Now, this has been a very, very fun series. been an incredible series to watch. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has really, really impressed me. Huge shout-out to Donovan Mitchell. And this game that I'm talking about right here put on an absolute show yet again. 51 points. Uh, shot 55.6% from the field, 57% from three, uh, got to the line 18 times, hit 17 of those, closed out the game for them, was just phenomenal. Such a great performance for them, and a huge game that really uh, basically solidified the win because unless they choke a 3-1 lead, which would be rough to watch, 
Uh, they got the series in the bag. And, yeah, so impressed by Donovan Mitchell. He was getting his teammates involved, too, got seven assists. And he's just been playing a lot better than I expected. He's been really stepping up. He's played so phenomenal. Huge shout-out to Donovan Mitchell. I was a guy who was pretty critical of him. I uh, really wanted to see him expand his game more. And he's doing that. He's playing the best basketball of his career. He's looking like 2006 Dwayne Wade. Like, he is dominating. So impressed by Donovan Mitchell. What a performance by him. And, yeah, he's been amazing. Uh, Mike Conley has been very good ever since he came back from having a kid. He's been phenomenal. Uh, scored a very efficient 26 points in this. Hit four of his eight threes. And it really is a nice dynamic that is added to the team with Mike Conley. Just brings them some more uh, ball handling. Brings them some more shot creation. Some more shot making ability. Especially with uh, Bojan Bogdanovic uh, obviously being out. is really key for them to have some more shot creation. Because it's kind of been only Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson before Mike Conley came back. So it definitely has a nice dynamic. Uh, Rudy Gobert has been great this series. Has been a lot more assertive on offense which I really like to see uh, because sometimes he can be just very passive on offense, but he's been very aggressive, playing pretty solid defense on Nikola Jokic, even though Nikola Jokic has still been playing very well. Uh, Jordan Clarkson has been p very big for them off the bench in this game. Uh, 24 on 9 of 13, hit four of his seven threes, brings some nice shot creation, even though he can take some dumb shots at times. You kind of just take that with Jordan Clarkson. That's his play style, really. So... He's been great for them off the bench. And, yeah, this team has outperformed my expectations a ton. They just squeaked out this win, 129-127. to 127, But it was still an incredible performance because uh, Jamal Murray, man. Jamal Murray. What a performance from him. Even though I would like him to be more consistent because uh, this is just so Jamal Murray, him being very inconsistent. In the first game, he scores almost 50. He has 50 this game, had 41 the most recent game. But the other two games, he had like 12, which is just so Jamal Murray. But uh, regardless, he put on a show, an incredible performance from him, hitting nine of his 15 threes. He was hitting some incredibly tough step-back threes. Uh, and he was really trying to close that game for them. Obviously, they couldn't get the win. But he put on a show, performed amazing. And shout out to him. A great performance. Uh, even got 11 rebounds. Getting four offensive rebounds. Uh, got seven assists. It was just an incredible performance. A legendary performance from uh, Donovan Mitchell and Tim. And it was just one of the greatest duels I've ever got to see. Especially in the first round, man. Seeing two players. Especially it's exciting to see two young players performing so amazing. Both scoring 50. A great performance. Nikola Jokic was pretty solid. Uh, only hit three of his ten threes. His three-point shot really comes and goes. It hasn't been consistent for some years now, but he still scored 29 on solid enough efficiency. Still facilitated well, you know, doing Nikola Jokic-type stuff. Uh, they did make a lineup switch, putting Michael Porter Jr. to the bench because that's been their biggest issue is them getting uh, tore up on the wing. They also put Mo Monte Morris in the starting lineup which was an interesting move. Get some more uh, creation out there. Get some more facilitating. And they had Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap playing together in the front court. Uh, that worked out decent. Uh, the wing defense is just still an issue, though. It's more their guards because no one can guard Donovan Mitchell. Mike Conley still had a good performance. 
And then whenever Michael Porter Jr. is on the court, and you want him on the court because he's a great offensive player, very, very talented on the offensive end, but just whenever he's on the court, he can't compete just due to his uh, lack of foot speed. And then his lack of just experience. He's uh, very unexperienced in situations like this, which I would have loved to see Mike Malone uh, play Michael Porter Jr. more in the regular season because it felt like even in like blowouts, he wasn't getting played. And it just really sucks because I feel like that was such a huge mistake because Michael Porter Jr. could be so much better for him, for them. And defense is a big thing, especially going into the NBA. It's a big just learning curve is learning how to play defense uh, well and how to uh, guard certain players, how to guard uh, different prototypes of players. But Michael Porter Jr. Is just, just doesn't know how to do that yet. So it a bit it's tough for him. Uh, he's obviously not getting the playing time that I'd want, but he's also not playing the defense that you'd want. So that's that sucks, but hopefully he can learn to play better defense as we move on and going into next year. Uh, I'll just talk about the next game while we're here. This was another another very, very fun one to watch. Uh, Donovan Mitchell still played well and just didn't play as great as he had before, which is crazy. Him scoring 30 is just him playing well, but he's just been playing so phenomenal and on good efficiency too. So he's still been very impressive. Uh, Rudy Gobert was just all right this game. I mean, he uh, was getting torched on defense. Nikola Jokic had 20 in the first quarter. I would have loved to see him uh, keep that up a little bit more, but he really didn't. And then uh, Rudy Gobert wasn't really doing anything great on offense. Uh, kind of just threw up some shots whenever he would get in the post, but I don't like to see that. Uh, and Mike Connolly had a solid enough game. I mean, 5 of 12 isn't great, but still scored 17. Uh, got, dished out 5 assists. It was just kind of an average game for uh, the Jazz. It was much more what I expected from them, uh, not what I had seen from them the other games. Like that, that was absolutely shocking. That was super surprising to see. It was a lot more what I expected. Mike Conley to just be solid. Uh, Jordan Clarkson just had a solid game off the bench. He, he did hit four of his seven threes. Donovan Mitchell still scored 30. Uh, Rudy Gobert was just decent, not really that good. So this was a lot more what I expected out of the Jazz and a lot more what I expected out of the Nuggets, too. Uh, Nikola Jokic inserted himself uh, early into the game, uh, scoring 20 in the first quarter, hit seven of his 11 threes, had a great game, putting up 31 uh, Jamal Murray, another phenomenal performance, 42 points, uh, four of eight from three, uh, shot 65% from the field, got eight rebounds, got eight assists, just played an amazing game, a very, very impressive performance, hit some huge shots that really uh, swung the momentum and helped them win the game. And it was really, really exciting to see hit the dagger shot. I uh, was hitting very, very tough mid ranges, tough threes. Uh, what you'd want to see from Jamal Murray, you want to see him be uh, just assertive and aggressive and be hitting his shots because he's a player who, again, very, very inconsistent. Uh, but when he's on, he's on, and he played phenomenal. Another great performance from Michael Porter Jr. was very good off the bench. Uh, hit three of his seven threes, scored 15 in 33 minutes. And it was a lot more what I expected out of the series. The Nuggets played a very good game. And even though they were down 3-1, this can still be a close series. Uh, the Nuggets can still make this a series. And they can push this to seven games. I don't know if they're going to win. 
I'd like to see them still play uh, better wing defense. I did like what I saw from P.J. Dozier, even though he only scored three points. He played uh, some great defense off the bench, and that's something that's very big for them. As the biggest thing they're losing in uh, Will Barton and uh, Gary Harris is just their wing defense and then the lack of experience, too, having guys like Michael Porter Jr. play a lot more. So uh, that's a bit of a tough thing for them as they're moving on in the series. Just how do they try and defend Donovan Mitchell? How do they try and contain him as well as they can? Because they really don't have much wing defense at all. Like Jeremy Grant is a good defender, but he's too slow. Even though he's uh, pretty agile for a four, Donovan Mitchell would torch him. Uh, Jamal Murray just isn't a very good defender. Monte Morris isn't a very good defender. Uh, Torrey Craig is basically their only defender, and then P.J. Dozier when he plays. So uh, hopefully they can just be very efficient like they were on offense. Uh, they hit 45% of their threes, which if they keep uh, hitting their threes well and then just trying their best to do the best they can to contain Donovan Mitchell. Because even sometimes they're playing good defense, even though their wing defense overall isn't good. Sometimes they'll play good defense, and then he's just hitting tough shots which you really just can't uh, do anything about that. And he's just has his confidence through the roof. But uh, hopefully they can push this to seven games. Hopefully they can come back, look more like themselves. And I like a lot what I saw from them. They performed very well in this game. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about Thunder versus Rockets. Now, this was a battle. Th- these last two games have been very close. It's back uh, to a 2-2 series now. They're on an even playing field. They'll be playing today. Uh, That'll be a huge game. They're still missing Russell Westbrook, uh, which is tough for the Rockets. Uh, Very, very tough for them. And the big issue with the Rockets is, again, they live by the three and die by the three. It's been talked about so much, but they have so many three-point shooters, and they have a pretty basic game plan where it's just drives and kicks, drives and kicks, James Harden step back threes. They don't have that in-between game where they can uh, just blow out a team some night when some nights when they're hitting their threes very well. But they can also go on these cold stretches and let teams really go on a run and come back. So that's what the Thunder did. And James Harden had a very good game, uh, but didn't get much help. Eric Gordon finally had a good game. He's been struggling a lot. Uh, Robert Covington had a good game, but they were really, really bad without James Harden in both games. Uh well, in the last two games, they've been terrible without James Harden. They just can't really seem to do anything offensively. Uh, Jeff Green uh, played more like normal Jeff Green, not the Jeff Green we've seen in the playoffs. Uh, and, yeah, this Thunder team is really competing. They're playing Steven Adams a lot less and playing a lot more Danilo Gallinari at the five, which is very, very exciting to see. It's what I wanted to see this whole playoffs, well, this whole series just because it matches up so much better because Steven Adams uh, doesn't really expose the Rockets weakness because the Rockets weakness is already obviously size and interior defense but while Steven Adams is a very solid player he's a very good player he's uh, his offensive rebounding isn't great and then he's not a a post threat so it doesn't really uh, expose the Rockets issues and they match up 
they don't match up great with them. But when they have Danilo Gallinari out there, they can uh, have this floor spread a lot more, have Chris Paul kill it in the mid-range. Chris Paul was phenomenal this game, closed out the game, uh, hit a bunch of huge mid-range shots, hit a shot over James Harden. Dennis Schroeder has been phenomenal uh, this whole playoff series. Uh, shot 10 of 16, shot 4 of 7 from 3, hit some big shots too. Uh, Shea Gilch-Alexander didn't have his best game, but overall he's played pretty well. Got 12 rebounds, got 6 assists, uh, scored 8 18 on 17 shots, but uh, Danilo Gallinari didn't have a very good game, but I still do like to see uh, him playing center more. It just matches up so much better. It fits way better. And then Luguen Stort, even though uh, Luguen Stort, very inconsistent shooter, uh, and that's his biggest issue, phenomenal defender, incredibly strong. And even though James Harden had a great performance, James Harden scored 32 uh, shot 11 of 15, shot 6 of 15 from three, uh, shot 11 of 25, shot 6 of 15 from 3. Uh, whenever Luke Gwenstor is out there, he's playing as good of defense as you can on James Harden. There are certain players where no matter how good of defense you play, they're just going to do their thing and they're going to score no matter what. But Luke Gwenstor, very, very impressive out there, playing great defense on James Harden, the best defense you can. And he just really puts all his energy out there, plays his heart out, and it's exciting to see a player really step up and play as good a defense as they can on uh, one of the greatest offensive players all time of all time in James Harden. And it's a huge X factor that he's back. He had uh, an injury for a bit, and I think that was a huge thing that went under the radar for why the Rockets were struggling. It's just that they didn't have Lou Wenstort. And even though it's like, oh, he's an undrafted free agent, he isn't a great shooter. He's not a great offensive player. His defense is phenomenal. He'll be a future all-defensive guy for sure. Uh, they really got like their next Andre Roberson in Luguen Stort, but he has a lot more potential offensively. He's already a better offensive player just for the fact that he can uh, hit a three at a decent enough rate. So it's cool to see that with Andre Roberson having the uh, injury issues that he's had, them finding basically the next Andre... Uh, Andre Roberson in the Glen Store, and he's played very well this series. Uh, lastly, about the games we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about uh, the most recent game, Mavs versus Clippers. Now, this one will be a lot shorter of a discussion just because the Clippers absolutely dominated this game. Uh, Luka had a rough game, 6 of 17. They were missing Porzingis again. Luka just really couldn't seem to get things going very well. Uh, the bench wasn't doing anything great. They only hit 32% of their threes, usually a phenomenal three-point shooting team. And then defensively, they were getting torched out there. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, 32 points in only 29 minutes. Kawhi was uh, doing his thing out there, getting to the free throw line very well. He's just so unstoppable from mid-range, uh, unstoppable when attacking the basket. Paul George finally didn't seem like he was in his own head. Uh, after his game, uh, after the game, in his post-game interview, he was talking about how he went to a sports psychiatrist, and that seemed to help him a lot because he just seemed a lot more confident out there. He was being aggressive from the jump, getting to the basket, uh, hitting his threes, four of eight, and just looking like the Paul George I expected to see. A phenomenal performance from him. And if we get this Paul George in the playoffs, if he's not in his head like he was in the other games, we are going to see the Clippers win the championship. Because Kawhi has been amazing in the playoffs. Kawhi is uh, the best playoff performer in my opinion, even though LeBron is playing very well and is a close second. 
Kawhi just dominates in the playoffs every year consistently, and he's so refined, so talented, so skilled. And if we get this Paul George, if we get Mar- Marcus Morris hitting his threes at a at a good rate, uh, if we get Landry Shamit playing well, uh, they obviously have Lou Williams, great offensive player. They got Montrez Harrell, phenomenal in the pick and roll, great energy player. And yeah, they just played great this game. Their offense was absolutely unstoppable. 63% from the field and 63% from three. Just a great performance. Their stars showed out. Their role players stepped up. And, yeah, it was a rough game to watch for Dallas. They really need Chris Stapps. Hopefully he's back uh, in game six. Hopefully this can be pushed to a game seven because that would be so exciting. But if we get this Paul George's Clippers team, can be a championship team and would be my pick. Uh, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. We're going to be previewing some future series and then doing the six scouting reports. Okay, everybody, I am back and here to talk about some future series. Uh, we obviously got uh, Magic versus Bucks today. I'm just going to assume that series over. It's 3-1. Bucks have been dominating. So we're going to be previewing first Bucks versus Heat. Now, this is an absolutely fascinating series for me. Uh, the Heat in the regular season, performed very, very well against the Bucks. Bam Adebayo was a perfect matchup for Giannis, played as good of defense as you could on him, and yeah, this is very, very interesting, because these te- two teams contrast a lot. Uh, the Bucks are one of the best interior defenses in the league, but they also give up some of the most uh, open threes in the entire league. The Heat are a phenomenal three-point shooting team. They got guys like Duncan Robinson, uh, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Goran Dragic, very good three-point shooter. Tyler Hero, very good three-point shooter. And it's just very, very interesting because the Heat, especially with the acquisitions they made at the trade deadline, have so many guys to throw at Giannis. They have Jay Crowder. They have Andre Iguodala. They have Bam, who played such good defense. And then they also have uh, those guys, other than Bam, could also be guys that are on Chris Middleton. You could put Jimmy Butler on Chris Middleton. Uh, the defense that the Heat have uh, matches up so well with the Bucks, And I think this Heat team are going to give the Bucks a ton, a ton of problems. As long as they're hitting their threes, uh, defensive scheme will work amazing. I think Eric Spolstra is uh, definitely a better coach than Mike Budenholzer. I think Eric Spolstra is a phenomenal coach, and he's going to do an amazing job uh, game planning against this team. Uh, Tyler Hero has been very, very good in the playoffs. Duncan Robinson has been great in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler has been performing very well. And this whole team is rolling. They have the momentum. They have the confidence. They beat this team multiple times in the regular season. So it's not like they're at all scared that they're going to lose this. Uh, And I personally think I have heat in seven. Now this is a bit of a bold prediction. Even though a lot of the peop a lot of people think uh the Heat could definitely give the Bucks problems. I just think the Bucks uh, lack of late game offense, especially with the matchups uh, that the Heat can throw at them w- is going to detriment them a ton. I think Jimmy Butler is going to close out games for this Heat team. I just think they have all the right things going for them. I think they match up so perfectly and yeah, I got Heat in seven. It's going to be a tough series. Uh, I don't expect either team to dominate by any means. I expect both game, uh, every single game to be close. 
but I think Bam is going to play his heart out, play phenomenal defense on Giannis. I think guys like Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic are going to be hitting their threes, and I think uh, Chris Middleton is going to struggle because he hasn't really looked like himself much in the playoffs. He only had one like good, pretty good game where he scored, and that was only he scored 18 in the fourth quarter. So I just think this Heat team uh, matches up the best that any team in the entire league matches up to the Bucks, especially with Bam, man. Bam is going to play phenomenal defense on Giannis, and he's going to struggle. Uh, he's obviously going to be good because it's Giannis, but uh, the schemes that they're going to throw at the Bucks, the weird zones that Eric Spolster runs, uh, the rotations, the depth that they have, the shooting that they have, I just think... It overpowers this Bucks team, and uh, yeah, I think this Heat team is going to win. It's going to be a phenomenal series, and I'm so excited to watch it. I really hope the Bucks don't extend the series, just end the series, and yeah, it's going to be a great series. Bucks versus Heat is going to be so much fun to watch, and yeah, I have the Heat upsetting the Bucks. And that'll be a very, very interesting thing if it does happen. So we're going to hear a ton of uh, discussions about Giannis. Uh, they're probably they're going to have to make some roster changes. They're going to have to reconstruct that roster if they lose. So I'm really excited. Uh, I want the Heat to win because I just think an upset like that would be so exciting to watch. It would, it would just be so much fun, especially to see a team that is led by Jimmy Butler who was so criticized for... Uh, years because of his locker room issues uh, but now he's really led this heat team they've looked phenomenal and it'd be cool to see a young team like this but a team who also has uh, depth they have a lot of guys this, on this roster I really like I really like Goran Dragic I love Bam Adebayo love Tyler Hero and yeah I have this heat team winning it's going to be a hell of a series and uh, this team just contrasts uh, each other so perfectly it just makes such a beautiful matchup, and I think the big difference in the series is going to be the uh, the Bucks' la lack of late game offense, the Heat's depth, uh, the Heat's matchups, and then how uh, Eric Spolstra is a better coach than Mike Budenholzer. I think he's going to throw out so many creative zones. I think he's going to have the offense running well, and I think Giannis is going to be in a world of problems just due to all the things that the Heat can throw at him. Uh, previewing another series, another fascinating series in the Eastern Conference. This series is going to be so, so exciting. Uh, it's actually starting tomorrow. Well, it should be starting tomorrow. There's been some discussion that they're going to boycott the game uh, due to the shooting of Jacob Blake. Uh, prayers up to Jacob Blake and his family. I hope he's doing well. He did survive, so hopefully he's doing well in the hospital and he can recover. Uh so they may boycott the game just uh, to raise some awareness for that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, they had a meeting with uh, between the two teams d discussing what they're going to do. They're expected to meet again tonight. So I'm very interested to see what happens there. It'll be interesting to see if they boycott it because they have guys like uh, – Jalen Brown on the Celtics, who's been incredibly vocal. Uh, Fred VanVleet has been very vocal. Uh, the whole Raptors team, with all the statements they made, like having the bus uh, painted with the Black Lives Matter on it. So 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, it'll be very weird to see a playoff game boycotted. I don't know like what the NBA would do, but uh, if this game happens on Thursday, it's going to be a very interesting one. Every game between these two teams are going to be incredibly, incredibly interesting. Uh, I have this series going to seven. And honestly, this is by far the toughest series to pick. I'm a Celtics fan, and this Raptors team will give the Celtics a lot of problems, and I think the Celtics will also give the Raptors a lot of problems. Uh, first, I want to just talk about the Raptors' defense. The Raptors' defense is so impressive. Uh, Marcus All, even at his age, is still a great defender, one of the smartest players in the entire league. Serge Ibaka, great defender. Uh, Pascal Siakam, will do a great job on whoever he's on. I expect him to probably be on Jason Tatum and vice versa. Uh, Norman Powell is a good defender. Fred Van Vliet, even though he's undersized, is chippy. Uh, Kyle Lowry is great on defense. This team has so many great defenders. Uh, Nick Nurse is a phenomenal defensive coach. And that's going to be the biggest uh, thing, in my opinion, that will help them push this uh, series to seven. Because this offense with the Raptors does worry me a little bit, especially the half-court offense. Sometimes they can just struggle to create their shot. Uh, Pascal is a very good player, but has had some inconsistencies. Hasn't looked great so far in the playoffs, but Fred Van Vliet has looked great. He stepped up huge. Kyle Lowry's been playing very well. He has an ankle uh, injury, but he's expected to be back, so... Uh, hopefully he is, because that just makes the series even better. And uh, they got OG Ananobi, phenomenal defender, uh, has improved a lot on his offensive game. His three-point shooting has taken a big step, uh, big step. And they have a lot of depth. They have so much depth. They have phenomenal coaching, and they have they're very versatile, both on offense and in defense. They can go with a bunch of different things. Uh, and then with Nick Nurse at the helm, I think that helps them a ton. But on the Celtics side, uh, the Celtics are really rolling. Jalen Brown has been playing phenomenal basketball. Jason Tatum, uh, other than one game uh, in the play in the playoffs, has been playing great. His defense has been incredible. I think he's going to do a great job at uh, stopping Pascal Siakam because Jason Tatum's defense is incredibly underrated. He's a near all-defensive type uh, level on defense. He's been playing great defense, especially in this uh, Sixers series. He's very, very locked in. I think he's going to do as good of a job as he can on stopping uh, Pascal Siakam. And with Pascal Siakam not really having a rhythm and struggling a bit, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, Jalen Brown, I don't know who they're going to put him on. I expect uh, him to be on one of the guards probably. Uh, and then they'll put Marcus Bard on the other guard, and then they'll hide uh, Kemba Walker on OG, because even though OG is improving offensively, I don't expect him to create a shot. It's not like he's going to be posting up on Kemba. And then obviously Daniel Tice will be on either one of the centers they're playing, and I'll think that'll be, I think that'll be a good enough matchup, because he has both the foot speed, and neither of them are going to uh, dominate in the post like Joel Embiid was. So uh, I think just matchup to matchup, especially in the starting lineup, uh, these teams match up very well both to each other. And then uh, the big difference in this in this series is the depth for me. The Celtics depth worries me a lot. 
Uh, guys like Grant Williams, even though he's showing signs, he's been playing well in the playoffs, scare me. Uh, guys like Robert Williams have a lot of talent, but it's still very raw as far as his IQ and his awareness. And then uh, guys like Ennis Cantor will get destroyed in the pick and roll. And it's a very, very, it's just such a fascinating series. I've gone so much back and forth on this in my head. Like, who, how do I choose who's going to win? Because, like, as a Celtics fan, obviously I want to see the Celtics win. And I uh, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win in incredibly tough games. But this is going to be a chess match. This is going to be back and forth. you got two of the best coaches in the entire league. In my opinion, the best versus probably a top five to seven coach in the league, uh, with Nick Nurse being the best. And then you got two stars, Jason Tatum and Pascal Siakam, who have been compared a ton and who I think are pretty close to each other in rankings. You got guys, uh, Kemba Walker and Kyle Lowry, very close to each other in rankings. You got, uh, Ke- you got uh, Fred Van Vliet, who's been phenomenal in the playoffs. You got Jalen Brown, who's been very good in the playoffs. Uh, you got the Raptors' depth versus the Celtics' star power. And with Gordon Hayward being out, I think that really hurts the Celtics for sure. But I think the thing that uh, pushes the Celtics team over the hump uh, versus the Raptors is their late-game offense. I trust uh, Jason Tatum over anyone on the Raptors to create a shot late in game. I trust Kemba Walker over anyone in the Raptors to create a shot late in game. But no matter what, I don't expect either of these teams, unless there's some major injury, I don't expect uh, either of this team either of these teams to go out sorry this is going to be a war this is going to be a battle it's going to be a chess match chess match back and forth and it's going to be a hell of a series i'm very very excited to watch this one and it's going to be amazing especially as a celtics fan it's probably going to give me a heart attack like 30 times because i have no clue what's happening but i'm also just excited to watch it just as a basketball fan it's super fun to see a series like this happening and i'm really really excited for this one uh both of these eastern conference series are going to be phenomenal i both have them going seven and i guess i have the underdog in both series winning even though i think it's pretty 50 50 on uh what people think about celtics first raptors from everything i've heard uh, people expect it to go seven to seven like me and i just think uh the celtics late game offense is going to be the difference i think if it comes down to a team needing to hit a game winning shot i trust the celtics more and that's the that's like the difference in the series is so small so this could go either way it's going to be a it's going to be a war and i think either of these teams uh, have a very good shot if they win of going on to the nba finals it's going to be a war and i'm so excited it's going to be so much fun and we don't really have any other series to preview just because uh, it's a bit of an unknown right now what's happening in the series. I could still see the Mavericks winning. Uh, Denver versus Utah, I could see Denver coming back. And then uh, the Lakers, the series is over between the Lakers and the the Trailblazers, which is very, very sad. It's obviously not actually over, but Damian Lillard has a knee sprain. He's going to be out for Game 5. And this Blazers team has disappointed me a ton. I was... Very, very disappointed by their performance. The offense struggled a ton. Defense has been terrible like I expected it to be. And then the Lakers on Mamba Day wearing, the, wearing their jerseys. 
uh, stepped up, played phenomenal basketball. The role players were hitting shots. LeBron is playoff LeBron. He's dominating. AD has been playing great. And uh, if they play the Rockets especially, I'm really excited for that series. But uh, that's the talk for the playoffs. And uh, lastly, just talking about the teams, I do want to talk about the Blazers' future as they have disappointed me in this playoffs. But I think the Blazers could be right back in contention next year. Uh, I think Damian Lillard will continue to be him. He'll continue to be great. Uh, uh, CJ will continue to be one of the better non-all-stars in the whole league. Yusuf Nurkic will be a lot better. His conditioning will be way better as he's... uh, 100% healthy, back in basketball shape, because obviously he missed so much time, and even though that gave him more time to recover, it also meant he was way out of shape for basketball. And uh, Hassan Whiteside will be off the books. They'll have some money freed up. Uh, Rodney Hood should be back from his Achilles injury. Uh, They'll have a draft pick that'll be just outside of the lottery. I would love them to draft a wing defender because that's their biggest issue. Uh, if a guy like Sadiq Bay slipped to them or if they could trade up to get a guy like Sadiq Bay, oh my goodness, that'd fit so perfect with them because their biggest issue is their wing defense. Their wing defense is atrocious right now. Uh, if Gary Trent continues to play the way he is, Anthony Simons is a nice guard to have off the bench. So if they... Uh, get a guy like Sadiq Bay in the draft, if they get a 3 and D wing, if they uh, get some more 3 and D wings in free agency, I don't know what they're going to do with Melo. I'd probably re-sign him to a small contract and just have him be a rotation player. So I'd love them to get more 3 and D wings, and I think they could be right back in contention next year. I think their team is going to be way better next year. It's going to fit so much better. Hassan Whiteside will be gone. I don't think Hassan Whiteside is very good at basketball. And I'm excited to see what happens with this Blazers team. I don't think any, like, super drastic move needs to be made. I just think they need to get back 100% healthy uh, and make just some smart decisions in the offseason. Maybe they could develop some of their young guys. Maybe trade a guy like Anthony uh, Simmons because his talent is never going to be maxed with a team like this, especially with the emergence of Gary Trent. His team will... His talent will never be maximized. So maybe uh, they trade him for a more established player, an established uh, wing defender. So I'd love them to try and get a guy like Jeremy Grant. A guy like Jeremy Grant would be a beautiful fit for them because he's a perfect 3 and D wing. He would fit so phenomenally uh, with them. So if they could get a guy like him, get a guy like Sadiq Bey in the draft, I think they could be right back in contention. Damian Lillard continues to be him, continues to get better. I'd like to see him perform better in the playoffs as he's definitely had some struggles. But I think this uh, Blazers team is good and will be a lot better next year. We'll be uh, back to the normal, like them being around the three to six seed range for sure. Moving on to uh, end the show, we're going to talk about some uh, draft prospects in the upcoming draft. First, starting off with Isaac Okoro. So he is a 19-year-old, 6'6", 225-pound forward who played for Auburn last season. Uh, He averaged 12.9 points, 4.4 rebounds, and 2 assists on 51% from the field, uh, 29% from 3, and 67.2% from the line. Uh, His strengths are he's a great defender, both on and off the ball. He's... uh, 
he shows great effort on defense. He's extremely athletic, has a great basketball IQ. He's very strong, has an NBA-ready body already. He's a great finisher. He's uh, very good in the open court. He's a solid ball handler for Ford, a uh, very smart passer. He has the ability to switch very well. He has a high motor, and he's already NBA-ready uh, with that wing defense. Such a great wing defender, uh, and I think he can be great in the NBA he, almost immediately. But his weaknesses are his sh- just his shooting in general needs to improve a ton. He can't really uh, create his own shot, so he's not a mid-range shooter. His three-point shooting is very poor for a wing especially, and his free-throw shooting isn't great either, which is a bad sign because uh, free-throw shooting is a lot of the time a sign that uh, how good of a shooter you're going to be. His shot mechanics are inconsistent a lot of the time, which leads to some of the issues. He can sometimes have issues with fouling. A lot of the games, uh, he wasn't able to play as much as you want him to because he's in foul trouble. Uh, he isn't a great uh, ball handler. Even though he's solid, he can't really create a shot at a great rate. and uh, He could struggle to get around screens sometimes in the pick and roll. Uh, he doesn't have uh, much of an in-between game at all. His mid-range game isn't there. And he also needs to take more uh, threes. I rate him as a, around a top 10 to 15 prospect. And I have him fitting best with the Bulls. The Bulls' wings have struggled with help, uh, with health a lot. Uh, he could help them defensively for sure. And he would just be a really nice fit with them. The Cavs definitely have a big hole at, a, uh, at the small forward position. And they need some great defense very badly. Uh, my comparison for him is a young Jimmy Butler or OG Ananobi, just a great wing defender. The three-point shot definitely needs to develop. I'd love the three-point shot to develop. And if he has a, a Jimmy Butler-type development, he's going to be a great player uh, for years to come. And I, I like Isaac Okoro a lot. Just need that three-point shot to come along. But everything else is very, very impressive, especially on the defensive end. Moving on to Devin Vassell, he's a 20-year-old, six foot six, 200-pound guard slash forward who played at Florida State. He averaged uh, 12.7 points, 5.1 rebounds, and 1.9 assists on 49% from the field, 41.5% from three, and 73.8% from the line. Uh, the strengths are that he's an elite three-point shooter. He has a very nice uh, shot form. He's a good scorer off the dribble. He is a pretty solid ball handler. He has a good pull-up jump shot, very good mid-range shooter. Uh, He improved a lot from his first year. Uh, He just has a very smooth game, very natural score. He's great in the open court, very athletic. Uh, He's an explosive jumper. He has great length, an unselfish player, uh, very high energy and high motor player. And he's a good individual and team defender, which shows his IQ is uh, very high. Uh, His weaknesses, though are that he could improve on a shot creation, even though he's a solid ball handler, solid shot creator. It still could uh, take a step and be better. Uh, he, he sometimes, uh, not sometimes, he often gets blocked when he's driving. He gets blocked way too much when he's driving. He needs to take more contact on his drives and get, and get to the free throw line more. That's a big issue. He really needs to get to the free throw line more. And that's an issue why he gets blocked a lot is because he's, uh, trying to finesse, he's trying to finesse around players a lot and not uh, just going into players and getting to the free throw line. His left hand definitely could use improvement. Uh, definitely could be a better ball handler and finisher with his left. 
Uh, he needs to put on some weight for sure, him being 6'6", but only 200 pounds. And then his skinny frame can sometimes lead to struggles on defense with more physical, larger players. And sometimes he can be a bit inconsistent. But I rate him as a, a top 7 to 15 prospect. Uh, he'd fit great with the Bulls. Uh, the Kings could definitely use him. They need help at the wing, especially with Bojan Bogdanovich being a free agent. And he would also fit great with a team uh, like the like the Hawks. They could use more wings. You never could use too many wings in the modern NBA. They could use some more uh, shooting, some more shot creation. And I really like Devin Vassell. I think he's going to be phenomenal in the NBA. I don't think he'll ever be uh, really a all-star, but he'll be a very good role player. Uh, and my comparison is a player like Kelly Oubre or Will Barton, both very, very good role players. And I expect uh, Devin Vassell to be a great role player. He reminds me a lot of Kelly Oubre just because he's a very athletic player, an explosive jump, uh, an explosive jumper, has a bit of a similar play style. And then Will Barton, uh, again, a very finesse player like him. And then his three-point shot is very good. So I like Devin Vassell a lot, and I think he's going to be a great pick for whatever team gets him. Uh, my third scouting report, we are going to talk about Onyeka Okongwu. Uh, he's 19 years old. Uh, he's 6'9 and 245 pounds. He played uh, forward slash center at his time in USC. He averaged 16.2 points, 8.6 rebounds, and one assist on 61% from the field, 25% from three, and 72% from the line. Uh, my strengths are that he sets great screens. He rolls to the basket very well. Very good lob threat. He's a great rebounder, especially on the offensive end, which you love to see. I love players who are very good offensive rebounders. He has a good form on his jump shot. He has stretch big potential. Uh, he has a very good post-up game. His footwork is very good, especially in the post. His face-up game is also good. He's an elite shot blocker. He uh, has very good length, and he's a very strong player. Very good build for how young he is. Uh, he's mobile, pretty light on his feet. Uh, he has good hands, especially in the pick-and-roll. Works very well in the pick-and-roll. Uh, he knows his role. He's a very smart player, and he's one of those players who does all the little things right, is incredibly efficient, and I love Onyeka Okungwu. He doesn't really have many weaknesses. Uh, it, his biggest weakness is his ball handling. Ball handling definitely needs to improve. His passing could also improve. I, lo I like having my bigs be able to pass a lot. And he can struggle with double teams due to his uh, lack of passing ability. He still isn't very as uh, very comfortable as a shooter. His mid-range shot is still developing. He only took four threes. And I would love to see him shoot more because he definitely has the potential to. But it's not something that's super... You can tell it's not something that's supernatural for him for sure. Uh, his lower body strength could improve. And then he could have a better hook shot. But still, very, very well-rounded player. Onyeka Kungwu is phenomenal. I rate him as a top uh, top three prospect, top three to five. Uh, I've been fitting best with the Timberwolves. They have a huge hole at the four. He would be the perfect defensive player next to Cat. Uh, they need help defensively very badly. Their d defense is terrible. And then the Warriors. I would love to see the Warriors trade down and get him. He would just fit their team perfectly. He fits that philosophy of uh, a bit of small ball with him being only 6'9". He would also just make an immediate impact for uh, them to win. I have him compared to Bam Adebayo. Uh, this comparison is nothing new, but I just think it fits very well, especially on the defensive end. 
Uh, I think the thing that sets them apart a bit is the ball handling and passing, but that is something that Bam didn't always show. So hopefully Onyeka Okungwu can uh, develop that, and if he does, he'll be a phenomenal player. I have him as being one of the best players coming out of this whole draft. Uh, moving on to the fourth scouting report, we got Nico Mannion. He's a 19-year-old, 6'3", 190-pound point guard out of Arizona. He averaged 14 points, uh, 2.5 rebounds, and 5.3 assists on only uh, 39% from the field, 32.7% from three, and 79.7% uh, from the line. His strengths are that he's a very smart player, a good playmaker, uh, good at playing both on and off the ball, which I like to see. Uh, he's a pretty good ball handler. He's very crafty, uh, good scorer off the dribble. He uh, has a great motor, great heart, very competitive player, very scrappy on defense, and he also has a shot, solid shot mechanic. Uh, his weaknesses, though, he needs to put on size for sure. Uh, only 190 pounds, definitely could put on size. He's not very athletic. He struggles to score in traffic due to that lack of size and that lack of athleticism. His outside shot is very inconsistent. Uh, he shows good effort on defense, but just due to his lack of athleticism and size, he could he can struggle at the next level uh, due to that. He can struggle to get to the basket. He doesn't really have a great first step. He's, his length is very poor. He can be too turnover prone. And then his just size can be limited. Uh, his ceiling can be limited due to his size and his athleticism for sure. I have him rated as a top 20 to 30 prospect. I have him fitting best uh, with the Heat. He could be a good backup point guard depending on what happens with Goran Dragic. He could be a good third string point guard if they keep him and then be a good backup if he leaves. Uh, the Jazz, they definitely need a backup point guard. Emmanuel Moutier is currently their backup point guard. And they also definitely could use more uh, playmaking shot creation. I have him compared to George Hill or Derek White. I just think he'll be a solid uh, rotation guard in the league for years to come. Uh, never will be a phenomenal player, but will be a pretty solid player in the league. Uh, okay, in this one, in this scouting report, we have one of the toughest names to see, uh, to say for sure. It's, I'll just spell it out. It's A L E K S E J P O uh k u s e v s k i i don't know how to say that at all uh, i'll i'll try and say it. it's al alexa po pokuski i tried but he is an 18 year old uh 7 foot 205 pound power forward who played uh, uh overseas in the euro well he played for the ol Olympicos BC. These these are names are very hard to say. I'm sorry. Uh, he averaged 10.8 uh, 10.8 points, 9.7.9 rebounds, and 3.1 assists on 40% from the field, 32.1% uh, from three, and 78.3% from the line. My strengths uh, for him is that he has a very uh, good looking shot. He's a phenomenal ball handler for his size. Very, very good ball handler for his size. Uh, one of the youngest prospects going into this draft. He's a very good passer, uh, incredibly smart player, good shot blocker, uh, very solid team defender, good athlete. Uh, he's a very smart rebounder, good at uh, boxing out, uh, knows all the fundamentals to rebounding for sure. He's good at moving off the ball. He's very good footwork. And for his size, he moves incredibly 
incredibly fluidly and due to that size and that skill very very high ceiling for him for sure his weaknesses though uh, he needs to put on weight he's not very good at finishing uh, he doesn't he's not very strong which makes it hard to finish uh, for him for sure he can't really finish through contact at all he can't defend in the post very well due to that lack of size uh, he isn't a very explosive athlete his competition he played against is a bit questionable his motor's a bit questionable. Uh, his, he doesn't really have much of a post game. And then his shot is very inconsistent. And just overall, his body is not NBA ready at all. Uh, the team he gets drafted to is going to need to be very patient with him because he needs to develop in a more NBA body for sure, for sure. But I have him as a top 10 to 20 prospect. And I'm fitting best with the Celtics because they have uh, n- not – they don't have a great big man, but they have uh, multiple bigs that ahead of him that could just allow him to develop into an NBA body. Uh, the Bucks, he would be a perfect stretch big next to Giannis. Imagine if he develops an NBA body and is a good defender, he would be a phenomenal uh, big man next to Giannis. And then the Raptors, they have a phenomenal uh, player development staff. Staff, they have some players that could leave in free agency at the big man position, uh, and. He could reach his full potential with them. Now, the comparison, this one is really hard. I have a ceiling as Kristaps Porzingis, but I don't really know uh, what he'll actually be in the league. He is, in my opinion, one of the highest ceilings in the entire draft, entire draft, but one of the lowest floors as well, just due to uh, the issues with his size for sure. That is something he needs to work on. He needs to get way stronger and... Uh, especially because he's a big man and he could be like young Porzingis when Porzingis kind of struggled with size but Porzingis was never this small he is very very frail incredibly skinny and needs to become way stronger Uh, the last scouting report of the day is James Wiseman he's a 19 year old uh, 7'1 240 pound center who played for Memphis he averaged 19.7 points 10.7 rebounds and only 0.3 assists on 76.9% from uh, the field and 70.4% from the free throw line, but he did play in an extremely limited amount of games, uh, very limited sample size from him. My strengths are that he is a great size, he's very athletic, great rebounder, good in transition, uh, good screen center, he has a pretty solid shot form, he's a good rim protector, a good finisher, he has a ton of potential, he is a solid enough uh, handle for his size, and his mid-range shot is pretty decent. Uh, his weaknesses, he struggles with moving laterally. He could put on more weight. He can definitely have inconsistent uh, motor and effort. He bites on fakes way too easily. He played in a very limited amount of time, like I said. His footwork isn't very good. He struggles to guard in space. His basketball IQ can definitely be put into question. He needs to improve in the post. His shot selection can be very bad at time. At times, he uh, settles for post fadeaways a lot, way too often. Uh, he really hasn't shown anything as a passer, which for me especially, I need out of my big man. And he can cause poor spacing sometimes due to his uh, lack of IQ and just his uh, shot because sometimes he just doesn't know where to stand, and then his shot isn't great yet. And his overall game is still very raw, and he just needs to develop his skill way more. I have him as a top 10 prospect. Uh, He would fit best with the Warriors, because they have good playmakers around him, very good development staff uh, that could work out some of the issues, and he would 
have uh, a role to play immediately with their hole at center. And got, I think having a guy like Draymond Green, who would uh, be very assertive to him, would help him a lot, for sure. Uh, the center, uh, the Wizards, their center position could use some work. And then uh, he'd be great in the pick and roll with uh, John Wall. He also wouldn't have a ton of a pressure immediately, just because Thomas Bryan is still is a pretty good center. And then my comparison is Hassan Whiteside, but he does have shooting potential. And then uh, also... The Hassan Whiteside comparison for me really just comes with uh, the questions I have about their IQ for sure. And I don't really know what to think about James Wiseman, a player who is very talented, has an incredibly high ceiling, but I could also just see not panning out at all and being a massive bust, uh, especially with this draft being so weird. I could see him being picked. Uh, I could see him being picked at second, which I don't think he'll be good enough to be picked at second. But I hope you guys did enjoy the episode. Uh, I'll be back with another one on Sunday. We'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. We should be moving on to the second round by then. So I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Have a good rest of your day. It's been Michael. Peace out.